This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here with a special guest. This is Stephanie Hill. She is in Toronto, who has a store now in Palm Beach, Florida as well, and also has quite a bit of a retail history. Uh, You're the daughter of Catherine Hill, and uh, you and your mother had uh, founded a retailer called Shea Catherine in Toronto in the early 1970s. Uh, It became one of uh, the most significant multi-brand luxury retailers, I would say, in the history uh, of retail in Canada, uh, with stores in multiple locations in Toronto and Montreal and in Palm Beach, Florida. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. (laughs) Now, for those um, who didn't listen to part one of the podcast, uh, I had Stephanie on and we talked about uh, her store in the Forest Hill Village area of Toronto, as well as a new store in Palm Beach, Florida. And now we're stepping back into a little bit of retail history here. This is special for me because I got interested in high end, well, in retail, I think prim- primarily with high end retail. I was uh, growing up in Northern Alberta. I was reading about high end retail in the big city of Toronto, and I was dreaming of living in a big city. And uh, reading about all of these interesting brands, like the you know the Valentino Boutique at Hazelton Lanes, which was run by Shea Catherine, and there was Critzia, and there was eventually Armani, and let's talk about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit exciting now because your mother, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore, she uh, I actually wrote uh, a, a bit of a memorial uh, in Retail Insider. It was um, summer of 2020, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, yes, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Shea Catherine, because you were there, I think, well, you were in university from the beginning, pretty much? That's right. The, I st- we opened the store, uh, and I was just starting first year university at U of T, and we lived in the colonnade, and uh, uh, it became, um, <laughs> within the first year of, of university, I studied French and Italian literature, I grew up speaking French in Montreal, and uh, learned uh, Italian in, at U of T and hence speak Italian fluently too. Uh, but within the first months of opening, I think I changed my schedule at university to be two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, packing all my courses in and working in the store the rest of the time. Wow. So I did everything from doing the window displays to bookkeeping to uh, selling to buying with my mom. So it was, uh, learn from the ground up. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, this first, and the first store was on Yorkville Avenue. It wasn't in Hazelton Lanes. No, right? no, no, no. We were on, uh, Yorkville, um, in the townhouses were there. Um, and the riverboat was down the street and uh, the townhouses have just been redone some of them. And, um, we, um, so we started there and then, I think about five years later, um, Dick Wookie was uh, doing Hazelton Lanes uh, mm-hmm. with Zarafa and approached us to go into Hazelton Lanes. And so we went from about 1,000 square feet to 3,000 square feet. And uh, usually I uh, went to Europe with my mother. We did the buying together. And um, what happened was... <laughs> What happened was uh, it was a buying trip and we were about to open. And my mother turned to me and said, okay, I'm going to Europe 
and you're going to look after the new store. And it was like, okay, we're just gone from a thousand square feet to 3000 square feet. And sure. <laughs> so it was into the fire. But uh, you had to cancel some classes on. Uh, oh no, you wouldn't have been in university to say cancel some Tuesday and Thursday classes. But it was after that. It was after that. Yeah, I'd already graduated. <laughs> yeah, it was five. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, what actually? Stepping back a bit further, what what got your mom into high end fashion? Was there like how did that actually just get started? Well, in did Montreal, you know? she um, worked for Eaton's. And okay. um, uh, what happened there was she she took a job, um, uh, this is a good story, uh, but true. And she took a, a job at Eaton's and was selling one day on the floor in the fashion department. And a gentleman in very well-dressed came in and said he was looking for something for his wife. And she turned to him and she says, I don't think there's anything here for you. You should go to X. Well, it turned out that gentleman who was very well-dressed was Mr. Eaton himself. And he said to the supervisor, he said, give that person the buying job. And so she (laughs) took over from there. And so she started with Eaton's. And then at the time when Creed's was expanding to their new store on Bloor Street, he solicited my mother to come and do the new store and do the buying. And wow. then she left and then decided to do her own store in Yorkville. And that's when we uh, started off in Yorkville. But it was great because it was at a time when Versace didn't have his own collection. He was doing three lines at the time from Complice, Callaghan and Jenny. It was mm-hmm. when um, we discovered Isimiyaki at the Pret in Paris at a booth. It was when... Um, uh, um, lots of the designers. I mean, we did, we bought the very first John Galliano collection and he had 10 wow. pieces. So it was a very exciting time in that there were so many of these great designs. I mean, we had the first Armani store in Toronto. Uh, we got Valentino uh, in Toronto. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. It was really different times than now and um, uh, great fashion days. Uh, you know, Claude Montana, I'm just thinking, you know, Gianfranco Ferre. There were some really right. Yves Saint Laurent. These were such hot designers back then, right? Uh, yeah. And the supermodels were all part of the mix. Uh, oh, yes. Linda Evangelista, all of those. Yeah, there was this real... Yeah. And Ferre, too, Gianfranco Ferre. We, we started with him before he had his own collection as well. Mm-hmm. He was doing lingerie and another collection. Wow, yeah. So it it was great to be able to grow with all these designers. That's right. So the second store was in the Hazelton Lanes, about 3,000 square feet. And that continued, I guess, to kind of expand in size because there was boutiques, I think, for there was Crizia, yeah. Valentino, for a period of time, seven years, I think, Giorgio Armani. Uh, i trying to remember what the other one was. We had Armani. Yeah. We had Ferre. We had Valentino. We had Critzia, we had Lagerfeld at a time, we had a shoe store at a time. Like we kept um, changing, but but always kept the key designers. We just, when we had the exclusivities, we did the boutiques. And yet we always had Shea Catherine, which was always a melange of all sorts of different designers, evening wear, accessories, and shoes, and all of that. And I, and I think that's probably where I get this, uh, even when we had all the big designers, I used to sell my clients 
a jacket from Versace with a pant from Ferret. Like that was the fun part and still is the fun part for me that I mix everything together. So even though a designer would show a certain look, that was not exactly how I sold it. <laughs> and that's what I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of, yeah, crossing designers, having a bit of a diversity. Because I, I noticed more in more recent years, some of the fashion magazines, you know, had a head to toe look by one designer. This isn't something that was editorialized right. in years past. Right. And I think fashion's changed in that sense, <laughs> too, in that originally when all these designers started, what you saw on the runway at the big shows of theirs was what was in the collection. Even though some of them, like Versace, you would see the show the night before, you'd have a buying appointment the next day, and he would have totally changed the collection because he wasn't happy with oh, the no. show. So you'd go into the showroom and you'd say, I don't remember this, or where was that? So certain designers did that. Um, but uh, and, and now I think the shows, a lot of them are... Uh. For the press, <laughs> for image, and um, uh, just a different type of approach as what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, things have changed. We're actually recording this podcast, I think, on what would have been the 75th birthday of Johnny Versace. Yes, it is. I saw a post from Donatella today, and he would have been yeah. 75, and I thought, oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, it's just... Amazing. He was brilliant. Amazing. He was brilliant. I remember I went into the Versace store in Vancouver. Well, it was at Leone. It was the Versace store. As a, yes. I think I was in grade 11 and I was eyeing this wonderful buttery leather coat. And I'm, it was $6,000 uh, again, grade 11. And I, the nice gentleman, <laughs> his name was Russell, I believe. I remember this. <laughs> Would you like to try yeah. it on? And I said, look, I'm a high school student. There's no way I'm buying this. He said, it doesn't matter. Just try it on. You're going to look fabulous. It was amazing. <laughs> Just a memory that I've got from the 90s. Of, and, you know, this was certainly when Johnny Versace was alive. And uh, yes. you know, it was part of the magic of my uh, getting interested in retail and in luxury retail. <laughs> but now, Shay Catherine um, moved to the Montreal market uh, Anything to say about that? Because that was, in, I think, Ogilvy's uh, department store. Yes, it was. It was when the three, as my mother called the three boys, they were gentlemen, but um, uh, had taken over Ogilvy and wanted to revamp it and get designers in. And so they approached us mm. um, to um, bring in Shea Catherine. And we did Valentino and Versace. And I believe we did Fritzia because we had two upstairs, two downstairs. Mm. Uh, in the the Ogilvy. Uh, So that was a lot of back and forth then. And there was an overlap with Palm Beach then too. So it was a a busy time. And uh, I mean, talk about six degrees of separation and how things come back to you. I actually (laughs) had, my husband and I had dinner uh, last week uh, at friends of ours here in Palm Beach. And they invited another couple. And the other couple, the husband was the lawyer who did the deal with us with Ogilvy in Montreal. Wow. And we hadn't connected in all that time. So here it is. I'm reopening in Palm Beach. It was at a time when we had the Montreal, we had Palm Beach, we had Toronto. And I'm opening here. And then <laughs> out of the blue, there's somebody from that time period. And here it is. We're doing this podcast. So <laughs> there's something definitely in the air about coming home. <laughs> it was meant to be. And actually, I probably should have started with Palm Beach just because I'm checking my notes here from what I wrote last year. 1979 was when the Palm Beach Shea Catherine store opened, which did that have the boutiques like in Toronto and Montreal? No, 
No, not at all. It was, and that was something also that sort of came to be that we were down here on holiday. We had rented a place and we loved Palm Beach and uh, then just thought, well, maybe we should do a store here. <laughs> and here all these years later, I still you know, kept that, even though coming here for holidays over the years, I thought, well, maybe if I found a little place in the, one of the vias. And so it has a charm that still hasn't clearly mm-hmm. left. And it's been um, you know, an affluent shopping area for, for decades. I think Chanel's second store in the United States opened in Palm Beach after New York City. I'd have to check that, but I just know that even in the earlier days, it was quite significant. You know, Saks Fifth Avenue had a store there quite mm-hmm. early on. Uh, Neiman Marcus did have a store there for a period. I think it actually shut, but lots of stores for Neiman Marcus closed. It wasn't a Palm Beach issue. It was a Neiman Marcus yeah, issue. Yeah, they're no longer right. here. They're actually closed now. Yeah. And I'm actually across the, the via that I'm in. I'm right across from Tiffany and Chanel. That's where I'm Some located. good neighbors, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in good company. And then, so in 1987, we'll jump into that time period again in terms of Ogilvy and Montreal. And we're sorry to listeners, we're jumping around a little bit. But the timeline is Toronto first, Palm Beach second, uh, Montreal third, Montreal being in Ogilvy. Uh, what was interesting is the Valentino boutique. These are all just things, and I, I didn't get to visit these. Uh, I'm too young, unfortunately. But actually, is where uh, the Louis Vuitton boutique is now at the Holt Renfrew Ogilvy in Montreal. It was right at the corner of St. Catherine and Mountain or Montan. My French is not right. nearly as good as yours, of course, for the fact I'm not bilingual. Barely speak English some days, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, doing well <laughs> but i thought it was interesting I, I was doing i was doing some research around ogilvy and and how it really it almost became a shopping center of boutiques where i think there was 53 concessions with within ogilvy around from 87 to to 89 which i thought was 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 you know from the basement up uh, you had you had the furniture store uh you had i think keel's beauty um eventually louis vuitton came in um trying to remember what year that would have been i think it was in the early 90s because uh, it was first in um, toronto and then vancouver and i'm actually re- referencing this from town and country home magazine i can't believe i remember that but i was i used to kind of read these and collect the magazines where the stores were opening and i remember montreal was number three at, at ogilvy and i thought oh i thought it would open at the whole renfrew store on sherbrooke street just because uh um, it had opened in Vancouver at the whole Renfrew store there. So uh, I got to know the Ogilvy name a little bit better in Montreal. And, you know, they actually brought back uh, ba- a bagpiper at, uh, at Ogilvy's. Oh, it's, it's a woman who's doing it, uh, which I do, uh, probably is the first time, I think. Um, thank goodness they're being more progressive. It's a different retailer now. It's, it's owned by Holt Renfrew. It's essentially a Holt Renfrew store that's really big and is in a really gorgeous building. Uh, but it brought back right. that tradition. So that's uh, it's kind of neat. But um, yeah, over the years, it's it's just so fascinating to talk about how retailers like Shea Catherine really brought high end brands to Canada and uh, and really up that that fashion game because uh, Canada has had great retail over the years in terms of high end. There's there's a great history there. I interviewed Jeannie Becker on a uh, podcast months ago, and uh, and we talked about you know, that, that history over time. And, and as Shea Catherine would have been, you know, right in there, a part of it as a retailer, because many people in, in uh, Toronto and Montreal and Palm beach were buying clothing from the retailer. Do you have any? Well, also going, going into Montreal too. I mean, I, I grew up in Montreal 
and my mother was in Montreal as well. So um, it wasn't foreign to either of us to be in Montreal and to do retail there. And we had lots of Montreal clients in Toronto, as do I still have lots of Montreal clients here and in oh. Toronto, because uh, there's many Montrealers down here as well. And and the, they come to Toronto as well. So I think the Montreal-Toronto connection is strong and sort of the trilogy, it worked then too. Yeah. Do you remember, I'm just thinking, I was doing some research because again, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I don't hide my age. I'm 45. I was doing, so I'm not old enough to remember some stuff, but I'm really fascinated with how retail was in the, even the seventies and eighties, the department stores in Montreal, including Eaton's where your, your mom uh, kind of got started off in the buying. Um, Montreal was the place to be in terms of Eaton's in its, oh, was it on, it wasn't called ensemble shop in Montreal, I don't think, but they had townhouse. They had these departments with high-end women's fashion. That was my mother's mm. boutique, the, the, the yeah. townhouse. And the ensemble shop was another uh, gentleman uh, who uh, did that. But that was the, the New Orleans townhouse. That's what it was. That's right. Yeah. And it carried some really substantial names. Um, I don't think Toronto's Eaton's had what Montreal had. No, they did not. No, no, because Montreal was a very highly competitive high-end market, I think, because so by that time, when Morgan's, Morgan's became the Hudson Bay Company in 1972, I think. But, and I was reading a gentleman, I forget his name, I think it was Roman Abrinovich. I have to check his name, but he was running in about 72 to 74. He was brought in um, Givenchy and Lanvin and a few other brands to the Hudson Bay store as it was new. And anyways, I just think it's interesting how in years past, this is a bit of retail history, we had high-end women's fashion within department stores, which is, there aren't even many department stores left in, in, in the world at this point. In North America, there are very few left. Well, and that's something that's changed in retail too. I mean, if you think about mm -hmm. it, there was the room at Simpsons then, yep. um, and then there was um, Whole Brand Fruit in Montreal that was very well known. And um, now the department stores have changed through retail drastically. And I think that's why it's, it's now time and has been for a little while, like retailers my, like myself, who are specialty retailers, smaller boutiques where you have the personal service, you have items that you don't find anywhere else. And uh, the whole concept of department stores has changed. And so people, I believe, uh, like to have that one-on-one -on -one with the store owner um, or a small boutique with whoever's working in the boutique and have a rapport. It's all about the service and merchandise. You have the goods, you have the service. People want that relationship. And that's what it's all about now. And perhaps the department stores have lost that. Yeah, well, even the department stores that still exist. I think in terms of being a traditional department store, it's really in Canada, the Hudson Bay stores. We have these large fashion stores like Nordstrom and, and currently Saks Fifth Avenue, which is operating three stores in Canada for now. But, um, you know, they are a little bit different, I think, in terms of, of the way that, like you said, they operate. But we've heard conversations around multi-brand retail um, and, and the challenges that some multi-brand retailers face. But I think stores like yours have a life to them and a future because the brands that you're carrying aren't 
just going to go and start opening stores because they're still fairly obscure and they're, and they don't, I think they wouldn't see a market in Canada to, you know, you got a handbag line of a few handbags and it's not going to open a big full store at Yorkdale mall. <laughs> if you're carrying Gucci. Right. Right. And they're more, they're more individual. They're, they're, they, they're interesting. They're materials that they use. They're more artisan art, artisanal. Um, so, and people are looking for things that are different. And I think that's why um, people like to come to my place, be it in Toronto or here, because they don't see it everywhere else. And even in my store in Toronto or here, I don't have five of an item hanging on a rack. And just that's never appealed to me. Um, and uh, I think um, the department stores and bigger stores, when you walk in and you see so many of something, then how exclusive yeah. is that? Oh, absolutely. No, I, and I do think that we will see a return to these smaller retailers that have personalized service that's face-to-face. I mean, pandemic permitting, of course, but <laughs> I have to always put... Well, now there's the whole virtual. I mean, I had to develop a whole online business yeah. <laughs> with uh, this pandemic, <laughs> you know, and people like to go online. I mean, I like, I'm a person that wants to touch and feel and try. And I think most of my customers are like that too. Um, it makes a difference, but, uh, look at all the online buying now. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say that the pandemic has accelerated some of the trends that we were already seeing. And in this case, you know, e-commerce is, was a trend just generally in the world. Right. And it's the pandemic's made it. So, you know, you've got it now you can do technology, <laughs> uh, you know, like my mom buys groceries online, which is something definitely she would not be doing if not for a pandemic. Fantastic. Just countless stories like that, right? It's it's about this adoption of technology, which I think is is really really interesting. And 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 uh, and actually, we'll step back in history again with with Shay Catherine. You and your mom lived in separate buildings at Hazelton Lanes, right? Yes. I think it was for a period of time. Yeah. The reason I brought that up was because I was reading. I did some research when I was writing uh, the memorial for your mom last year uh, in in Retail Insider, and I remember. Because I also am really interested in residential real, real estate. Maybe I'm just going off a tangent here being retail insider, but I guess there's a retail connection. Uh, she was talking about exquisite apartments and, and I, I study high-end real estate and I thought, I'm really curious because, you know, in Toronto, I, I'm really interested in buildings. And that answered a question as they said, yes, that's a, these are great buildings, but it was separate Hazelton Lane's buildings that you'd lived in for that time period. This is years and years ago, certainly not currently. We both lived above the store, but on opposite sides. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cause there's the, uh, okay. There's one building that's 77 and well, 55, but there's a door in the back on that Hazleton, like 38 a or so I can't, I forget. It's where I go to grocery store. And no, so there's the Hazleton side and there's the yeah. Avenue road side. And I was on the Avenue road side and my mother was on the Hazleton. Side. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, that was a time when Hazleton lanes was, it was beautiful. You had the skating rink in the middle, you had Fenton's in the summer outside, you know, with the cafe. Um, it was, it was a very special time of Hazelton lanes and then Dreyfus had it for a while. It went through a number of owners, but, uh, it was, it was a, a magical place then. Yeah. Fenton's restaurant. That was, was there two locations? Do you remember? Yes, they were yeah. a church somewhere around there. Around Gloucester and Young, yes, I think. that was it on Gloucester. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I only know this because when I was in grade nine, <laughs> I, I remember we had like a McLean's magazine on the shelf and I like, by the windows, I don't know why I remember this, but I sometimes have a photographic memory. But I remember reading this 
magazine, they were talking about a recession. This was about 1990, maybe early 91. And they were talking about Fenton's having gone bankrupt and shut down and Creed's. And they actually had this drawing because I think it was McLean's. They had like a cartoon artist would do these things. And it had a woman wearing a burlap sack, like, you know, like a very, very elegant looking woman with like, you know, the long cigarette on a, on a, what do you call a cigarette holder? Yeah. Like a very much a stereotypical glamorous, like opera length gloves and a stunning hat. And it was wearing like a burlap sack. And they were saying, you know, this recession is really tough. And they were talking about the demise of creeds, which I think it eventually shut down in early 91. But obviously the, this recession, I think really pummeled the Hazleton lanes and just retail in Canada in general, because when I look at what retailers were around after you know, that 1990, 91 recession, Toronto and Montreal, and I guess Vancouver, you know, the the high end retail was obliterated almost. That's correct. Well, I think in a way that COVID and uh, uh, what the whole world has been going through for the last two years has also changed retail and uh, the consumers changed their habits. The retailers have had to change. And so it's, it's, it's not, it's been a different type of recession in that, Everyone's had to reevaluate. And fashion's changed in that respect too. I mean, look at all the big brands and all the sneakers they're doing. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, fashion has definitely changed. And I mean, fashion changes every season anyway. And that's why I've always enjoyed it because you're gambling every season six months ahead before the stock comes in. And uh, it's a it's a gut, it's an instinct, it's you know what you like, what you don't like, what you think will sell, well, and, and you're buying and you're gambling every season, and it's just been um, changed dramatically with what the world's been going through. In that, normally, what you would have bought before, you're, you've changed that too. So we've all had to rethink in many many ways. Do you think we'll see a movement back to uh, glam? We might already be seeing it. Well, I think I think people are ready. I mean, I noticed in the Toronto store that weddings were starting to happen, and I and I know that um, I was just as happy to show a client something for a wedding or evening as they were to try it on. Huh. So um, people are definitely ready. I, I know in Palm Beach, um, I have more evening wear than I do in Toronto at this point in time. Because you can go out to a restaurant here and you see everyone from shorts to a glittery top or a dress. And there are functions that are happening here that did not happen at all last year. Um, Like big events that they used to have are now on tap to happen again. Uh, So I I do have evening wear here and um, um, possibly because of the climate too, that people are able to dress up a bit more as well yeah yeah. and there's a long history in palm beach of and it's palm it is beach, that's right. i don't want to get into a <laughs> wonderful long history of, of fashion and retail and of wealth and, and everything yes. else that comes with the mystic the mystique glamour, glamour. <laughs> talking to stephanie hill and we were talking about of course the retailer shay catherine uh who your uh, wonderful late mother had started and you were a part of it's uh, wonderful going back in time and talking about uh, fashion still in Canada. Well, I think it's fun for you. And also your skills as a lawyer in researching everything and asking the questions come through. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you in person in a few months, probably in the spring or whenever we'll figure it out. This has been Stephanie Hill. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Craig. I enjoyed it. And thank you everyone for listening. 
Take care and bye for now.